What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, April 12th, 2021, and this week's episode, the Paul vs. Askren preview show, we'll be recapping UFC on ABC2 and the middleweight fight between Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland. We'll be talking about the latest in MMA news, the shakeup at one championship, bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling needing surgery, and the latest with D- Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor on Twitter. And we'll end the show by previewing both of Saturday's big time events Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum in the UFC, and of course, the big boxing fight that everyone in MMA seems to have a stake in Jake Paul taking on the former Bellator and one champion, Ben Askren. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Happy Monday. Uh, I had an ice cream about half an hour ago, so I'm feeling pretty good. Ooh, <laughs> pretty what good flavor? Right now. I'm sorry? What flavor? Oh, so ice cream bar, I should say. It's uh, coffee and chocolate chip. Ooh. Sounds, yeah. It's just like... It's, it's like a yogurt ice cream bar, so it's not really ice cream. But, you know, they freeze it, and it's like eating ice cream bar. <laughs> it's like when they say yogurt land is an ice cream, I consider that ice cream. Yeah. Like when I, I go to – yeah, like the the line is very it's small depending <laughs> on where you go. Delicious creamy treat? Yes, okay. Yes, if I'm it in. doesn't take like Greek yogurt, I call it ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, it sounds very delicious. I'm more of a – cookie dough flavor when i'm getting oh, the cups or anything in the freezer too so i'll let you know yes uh, i love those if i'm at like the i'll also like the cookies and cream if it's like the bar on a stick and yeah. then if it but yeah that tends to be my two go-to's cookies and cream ice cream is so i'm not even a, it's weird i'm not a huge oreo fan I'm more of a chips ahoy gal however uh cookies and cream ice cream oh boy that's amazing that's my fave well, you know what else is amazing? Yes. <laughs> it's about three different fight cards we're about to get through. Let's get to the, uh, let's the get... daily podcast. Yes, but it, I'm glad you're happy. Uh, you know what? So let's get right into it for fans who are waiting. Um, you know what? Big time fight on uh, ABC early in the morning. I want to address that at the end. But um, yeah, uh, look, we knew it was a change up. Kevin Holland was coming in on short notice. He had recently, I think it's just under a month, if not right at that mark, had fought Derek Brunson for five rounds, comes back, goes another five rounds. I think that is worth commending no matter how they went. Um, But Marvin Vittori, the size and the grappling, just too much for him to handle. And uh, we addressed it. We kind of saw that going in is that Even if there was maybe a bit of an X factor of how good he is on the ground before the Brunson fight, there was no question this is his weakness going into this fight. There was just, you know, it was too soon. You got to account for the fact that it was fight week. He took a little break, you know, at least a couple days off from the gym following the Brunson fight. He was never going to become, you know, Habib on the ground after the Brunson fight. And Vittori knew it. And Vittori took full advantage. I didn't think it was the prettiest fight. Um, I do think that Brunson... Sorry, not Brunson. uh, Holland 
looked so good when he was in mid-range and he was letting his hands go with that speed. He is still very fast and very accurate, but um, he never really got the shot that caused danger to Vittori. I think that it was just um, really all systems go. Vittori knew he could overwhelm him. He knew he could overpower him. And for 25 minutes, he kind of just dragged him down and just smothered him. And, you know, was it the most fun? Was it Max Holloway going for, like, the world record of strikes on ABC? No. But that was a (laughs) solid performance over a dangerous guy. Holland looked much better than he did against Brunson, but it was the same result. Yeah, it was uh, when a fighter does whatever it takes to win, which is what Marvin Vittori does, they're never usually... Uh, the, the experience of watching the fight is never that thrilling, but you know, hey, we're we're not the ones who uh, who's who put everything on the line. So Vittori did what he had to do. I was happy to see that Kevin Holland was um, taking the fight seriously and just focusing on his opponent. I think um, he would have received a lot of flack if he hadn't done so, and so wisely he 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 put on his most uh, serious face and did the best he could. And, and as we talked about last week, like, you know, as long as he did that, he was going to be back in the good graces of the UFC. As long as he showed up and played it seriously, took it seriously, he'd be all right. So, okay, he's got two losses in a row, but it's one of those scenarios like um, where no one's going to, everyone's just going to be like, oh, yeah, man, you know, pat you on the back. Congratulations for having the willingness to, to do something like that. Two five-round fights back-to-back, that's, that's impressive. So, you know, back to the drawing board. Really, he's, he's received excellent experience with two guys who are uh, very good on the ground, Brunson more than Vittori, but, but you know, Vittori good enough that he neutralized Holland's, most of Holland's um, game plan there. So good fight uh, for, for Vittori, good win. But, um, you know, that's it. Not much more to say from, uh, from my end here. By the way, stylistically very different fight fighter going from Darren Till to Kevin Holland. I do think that, remember, he only had about two weeks and change to a little less to prepare for that. And so I think Kevin Holland did the best he could. Uh, I think that should be commended. Um, And like you said, you know, not a a lot of experience gained there. Vittori, I'm sure he would have loved to just go out there, starch him, you know, Adesanya, where are you at? Something like that. But, Mm -hmm. um, he did what he had to to win and preserve this win streak and stay in it. And now we have that conundrum. Where do you really go with Marvin Vittori? Uh, fifth win in a row. Uh, his last loss was a split decision. So just to put it into context, split decision with Israel Adesanya. One judge said he beat Izzy in his uh, yeah. last loss. He's gone a five fight win streak. Uh, five rounds Jack Hermanson. That was a lot of fun. Now he's beaten Kevin Holland. Um, I think that anything less than a title eliminator, I don't really see how you could come to that for him. I think that would just be, uh, you know, for example, I don't think Derek Brunson is the fight for him. Um, I don't even think Darren Till is the fight for him, really, after that performance. I think that the numbers kind of stand by themselves. Uh I would say, uh, and I know how this is going to sound, Robert Whitaker doesn't win on Saturday. I don't see how you don't give it to Vittori, a title shot. I think that when you look at everybody, his loss to Adesanya, remember, Adesanya's literally beaten all these guys. 
Brunson, uh, Rob, Kelvin, Vittori. Marvin's loss is the furthest removed. He also has the longest win streak out of everybody else. Uh, it's just, to me, like he's earned it. I could see a Paulo Costa coming into the mix, perhaps, but... I think that the way it's going to play out is Vittori gets a title shot if Robert Whittaker doesn't. And if he does, uh, if Whittaker does win, he gets like a Paulo Costa in a title eliminator. But I, respectfully, I just think that Derek Brunson, uh, Marvin Vittori doesn't, uh, Mar- Marvin Vittori gets a bigger name opponent than Brunson, respectfully. Probably because he has the probability of him having like a, you know, exciting knockout is higher than it is with Derek Brunson. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting setup. Looking at the rankings, uh, Jared Cannonier, what's he up to right now? I cannot recall. Uh, he doesn't have anything, uh, scheduled. I think he hurt his shoulder in the Whitaker fight. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll see. I don't think the UFC's, you know, Falling over backwards to to book Vittori or, or Brunson right now, um, just because there's bigger fish to uh, to focus on, and we've got that fight um, Whitaker Gastelum. So, depending on how crazy that fight is, I think that'll help us see a picture more the picture more clearly for those two guys, and then Vittori, who who was victorious on Saturday. I guess. Uh, put it this way: Do you see Vittori fighting one more time in 2021? Yeah, of course. We're where are we in April? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's like it's like this. Um, this is why I hesitate because the fight was like so underwhelming, and so so if he had had a, a you know Darren Till, yeah, that probably would have produced some kind of excitement for either one of those two guys or maybe both of them and so because it you know not his fault he ended up fighting Kevin Holland and he did what he had to do to win I'm not I also am not like falling over backwards to try and figure out what happens with him next so yeah he'll definitely fight again just because we're in April and you know whoever wins whoever loses next week is going to need an opponent Paulo Costa I don't know where he is right now Darren Till don't know how long it's going to take for him to to heal up so yeah, there's definitely a spot for Vittori in the very near future of this year. So I want to bring it up because uh, there was a lot of talk about why the fights were so early on Saturday morning. And to be honest, I really racked my brain, Natalie, because I looked at what's ABC got going on. They did have a big basketball game, uh, Lakers versus Brooklyn Nets, which was supposed to be LeBron James, Anthony Davis against Kevin Durant and Kyrie and the the two super teams, right? Two of the, you know, these are the two favorites to play for the championship, at least, you know, if everyone is healthy in a couple months uh, in the summer, right? So, okay, you have a big game scheduled for ABC in the evening. I think they might have had some college football or something else earlier in the day. But I'd heard this and I was like, well, Darren Till... It, it, it it's subtle i think sometimes but i think if you can read between the lines you see just how much they're doing it they are really pushing darren till for europe and i think they kind of really want that next michael bisping um marvin's obviously great in italy and you know greater europe also representing them and this fight you saw a lot of the uk fans it's like hey it's on at 
our time. You know, people are talking about, oh, for once the UFC is on our schedule. It's so great and amazing. So it made me think like, okay, this was supposed to be potentially a really big push. Mm-hmm. Like we were going to hear about a lot more. And, you know, once again, Kevin Holland coming off the loss kind of set the win out of the sails. But I did feel like that was kind of a thing that just kind of fell apart for the UFC when they lost Till. But, you know, when I think about that, I'm like, well, this could have been the setup. So I feel like, you know, as much as there may not be heat for it today, I just want to go back to it. You really can't, you know, understate that this could have been the one that gets Marvin Vittori that title shot. Depending on what, remember, it comes down to Israel out of Sanya. He's beaten everybody who's going to be quote-unquote in contention. So uh, I just want to take that into account. This was supposed to be a big push. It's only that it lost some of that momentum going into it. Because remember, out was talking about Till before the fight. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it was so early that I didn't realize until it was, you know, like already well uh, long in the the the, the match um actually the card was long in the tooth already uh, i was like wait a minute i thought this was later but yeah uh and i had a similar gripe as i did last time when max holloway debuted on abc which was kind of going to your point is like what was so important on abc that they had to do it this early well in this specific case i think you're probably right about the european market and they wanted to cater to that okay fine uh, but after the Max Holloway fight, they like cut to an infomercial. I thought that was so strange. They did it again, at least here in LA. They cut to an infomercial um, right after a UFC fight. It's so bizarre. It's like you have no other content. You can put on a rerun of America's Funniest Videos or something. Uh, it was a infomercial for a vibrating exercise machine. And you just stand on it, and it shakes your muscles so hard that it's like a workout. You don't have to move it all you just stand there and that's it it was like the weirdest juxtaposition of these people that dedicate their entire lives to being as fit as possible and that's that that's the product that's being sold after so any case i think that's really bizarre but whatever it is what it is that's a that's a a long tangent there that i had to go on that's a local affiliate uh issue that's not a ufc issue (laughs) i'm talking to abc7 as soon as this podcast is done recording abc7 yeah but um it was just uh i don't know i think that the timing and the loss of till hurt this card a lot more than a lot of people let on Uh, just to leave it at that um undercard real quick Mackenzie dern uh believe that is fourth win in a row she shocked Nina Nunez. Well, I guess, remember, Nina was the one who was kind of the dark horse to fight for the title, right? In 2019, she'd beaten Claudia. I believe she'd beat Angela Hill or someone else in there. And then she was in a big fight with Tatiana Suarez. And it's like, she wins this one. You know, she's kind of as, you know, a legit as every anybody to fight for the title. So this was a sneaky... Big contender fight for Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie goes out there and gets the first round submission. Um, you know, her striking, once again, look, she's not Anderson Silva or anything, but big improvements, uh, especially when you look at where she was at even just two years ago uh, before she, uh, you know, gave birth to her daughter. So really has grown a lot. And I realize it's like you have obviously Zhang Wei Li and Rose set. 
Jessica's moved up to Jessica Andraj has moved up to flyweight. You have Carla Esparza and Jan Shonan booked, and that's kind of like the title eliminator in May. I'm not really sure where you go with Mackenzie Dern now, because I feel like she's set herself up for that big breakthrough fight. But I don't know if there's necessarily someone off the top of my head that makes sense. So I want to toss it to you. Yeah, I cheated and I went to go look at the rankings. And so there is, there are two names anyway. I would think Michelle Watterson, that would be a very interesting fight. Or who's ranked eighth. Mackenzie Dern here on the UFC rankings anyway is ranked 11th. Michelle Watterson at eight or Claudia Gadella at seven. Um, both of those would be a great win for Dern. And, you know, if if Claudia or Michelle win, it's like, okay, you probably kind of stay put in your seven and eight spots. But Mackenzie Dern, I think that would probably get her, you know, next in line for title eliminator behind Carla and Jan Janan. I think, uh, so uh, I know Claudia's coming off the loss to Jan. And I think that I think that Claudia is kind of more on the downswing in this moment. Whereas I think Mackenzie's looking for an upswing. I think stylistically it's a lot of fun because you know what Claudia brings at this point and you know she's a vet and you know she's good on the ground. I like the Michelle... Well, yeah, the, the Michelle Watterson fight makes some sense in there. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Yoana is in any way still on the board? Joanna and Jacek? What yes. do you mean still on the board? Like, it, put it this way. Does Joanna fight anybody who isn't a champion or a title eliminator? No, I don't think so. And definitely, you can't have her fight Mackenzie Jern. Like, come on. Just, well, just, just, like, just for numbers. There's no easy fights in the UFC, Natalie. I know, but, like, uh, just look at the number, rankings. Like, number five is supposed to be just as legit as number one. How does the number 11 <laughs> fighter get to fight the number two that's, fighter? That, remember, those should be updated. And remember, in the yeah, words, well, yes, that's right. in the words of Pirates of the sure. Caribbean, they're more guidelines than actual rules. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, uh, I, here's my thing. It's because I feel like... It, I feel like she's the one the UFC is trying to get there. Uh, I, I just feel like, you know, I, Tatiana Suarez, maybe. We don't know what's the status of her. Um, you know, we heard about maybe the summer, but that's still not set in stone yet. So I don't know. But uh, my thing is like, Joanna, I don't know. If we've seen the last of Joanna. She looks like she's living a very happy and successful life, not getting punched. Oh my you get gosh, what I she mean? Does. She's always posing in these mm, real provocative photos. She's had a glow so up. She's had a glow up. Yeah. 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 And, and so it's like, all right, take Yoan off the board. You know, like, don't, don't, don't feel like she's impeding somebody else on the way up. You get what I mean? Carla and Yan Shonan are next for the Rose Whaley winner. Maybe Whaley moves up. Maybe Rose wins. Maybe Shevchenko loses and then Wei Li doesn't want to move up because it doesn't make sense as much now and et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like Mackenzie Michelle Watterson, you might have it, but that's kind of like the only place to go. You get what I mean? Which is weird because you feel like, you know, straw weight is so loaded, there should be a couple more pieces in there. But it's yeah. like, what do we do with it? But I... I 
I'll say this. Do you feel like she's earned that big step up? Like the one that gets her to the title eliminator? I think one the one that gets her to the... Like she's two away from that. Two away. So like win three fights before fight for the title? Two away. No, win... Oh, uh, yes. Now win two fights before you fight for the title. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think that when all of it shakes out, she might wait to see what happens in May. You know, and just like, look, like, do we have it? Is somebody waiting? All right, let's do it. So anyway, so that'll be one worth watching Um, real quick. It is, uh, you know, because I'm a big Spider-Man fan. The birth of Venom in the <laughs> UFC. Uh, you saw the photos and then you saw them in the cage. What are your thoughts on the new Venom fight kits? Bro, I was like, okay. They took the Reebok blueprints and they were like, instead of this sponge painting pattern, let's just put some stripes and then we're going to point the stripes to the crotch area and then we'll put our, our label on the back and that's it. They didn't look very special to me. They didn't look much different. Now you're probably saying, well, how much more can you do when there's no sponsors? Like it's all just the design. That's all we have to work with. I don't know, bro, but I was not impressed. It just looked like, you know, Reebok 3.0 or 4.0. I don't know how many iterations there have been. I think three. Mm -hmm. So 4.0. That's how it looked to me. I was disappointed. But what do I know about uniform design? Maybe I'm missing something here. You can help enlighten me. Like, is it really just there's not there's only so much you can do and that's it? I don't know. I mean, uh, I stand with the idea of like, look, there's got to be and I understand, you know, it's going to feel more stringent. But I think that there should be more room for sponsors uh, to make their, you know, for fighters to get the money they earn. like we live in a time where, you know, and I said, it, I believe last week at the time, you know, uh, Instagram and all, I don't think there was the TikTok and the Snapchat, for example, yet. And so fighters were just kind of kicking off branding on social media. Nowadays, you know, like look at the NBA, you got fighter, not fighters, sorry, you got players, you know, they're not even the star of their team and they're getting signature shoes from mm -hmm. companies in their home country. And it's like, you know, so not everyone's like a LeBron James Nike worldwide, but so-and-so shoe company is like, look, we're in Australia. Uh, you got a, you guys will remember him if you followed LeBron. Like Matthew Della Vadova essentially was the wingman to help him, you know, fight the Warriors. This guy's from Australia. He's got a shoe company. He's got his own signature shoe. You know, you're in a time where, you know, these guys have an opportunity and girls, sorry, to make a lot of money. So I do think a little bit of that to add a little more individuality. I will say now it's the day one launch, right? This is week one. The Reebok deal is technically less than a week old right now. I do hope that there is still some wiggle room for some more uh, creative stuff in the pipeline. Not every fighter is going to get their own custom Reebok fight kit, but we've seen it. Korean zombie... Um, it just there's a lot of potential out there and they've shown willingness to be a part of it i hope that as we move toward the bigger fights again maybe some you know custom uh kamar uzman flag of nigeria shorts i don't know what you're gonna do with game bread but i'm assuming there's ideas i don't want to say like the street jesus because it's like 
Yeah, that's a slippery slope. But you get what I mean. As more of these guys, bigger stars, start fighting, I hope that there's some wiggle room for some more custom ideas. And, you know, fighters can show a little more individuality. But for the day one launch, I, I saw it and I was like, similar colors, same concept, name on the shorts. Yep. All black with gold for the champions. And I was like... I was kind of hoping to see, like, you know, some different stuff. Dude, and, can we see a different font at least? Like, come on. I don't know. It's, uh, like I said, more creativity. I hope that's in the pipeline because we know Venom is capable of it. They've already done it before. So that's my thing. And then um, I don't know about the sponsorship deal. I, I'm going to say that's above my pay grade. It is my hope. As of right now, I'll say just... What we know about the business, it should not be an expectation at this point, if that makes sense. The, yeah, the, what do you mean that of what they're getting from Venom? Or no, like adding the, sponsors being able to, to add Venom. Additional sponsors. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't seem like it. UFC wants to keep their control as much like as possible. I, I'm not saying like big, um, like they're not going to have like a bigger, something bigger than the Venom logo. Yeah, but, but even PFL, do. like they have a bit of that room. Yep, yep. Yeah, you know. Did you do you know the company Me Undies? They sell underwear. Yes, I do. Okay, so if you ever seen their products, like they have some cool prints, right? Yeah. Random stuff. Sometimes they do licensing deals. Sometimes the, they don't. They're it's very just... big on uh, their marketing. Like I will see yeah. their ads pop up a lot. Oh yeah, all the time. But like my point here is like, how hard is it to just pick a print, go to Joanne's Fabrics if you have to. And slap it on some shorts to give it a little color, a little something different. You know, do, do po- polka dots. I don't know, man. Like, they didn't even try. And it, it really frustrates me. But we'll stay hopeful and we'll stay, you know. Um, I will say this is an executive decision. Because you know someone had to have brought it up. Do we want it to look really different? And the powers that be wrote off on no. So they I, probably didn't. If we're looking at, you know, Endeavor, someone had UFC, to bring that up. It's like, yeah, well, do you want to? Like, they don't want to rock the boat too much and make it seem like the company's taking a 180 and, you know, now they're doing neon shorts. And okay, fine. <gasps> Bryce <geez>. Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. He lost his camo. Lost his camo. He's All not, right. Anyway, we're, we're not, I could go on for an hour about this. So you should probably just cut me off. <laughs> he's not going to be able to hide in the octagon. Nope. <laughs> anyway, I'm kidding. Um, real quick, uh, one on TNT. Um, I will be honest, like I, I live in a, you know, I live on the West Coast, which means while well, all these lucky people were getting their, uh, live, you know, fights going on, I had to suffer through the beautiful thing that we call tape delay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I had to have Brett Okamoto and MMA Junkie tell me, that Demetrius Johnson had been stopped for the first time in his career and that Eddie Alvarez was disqualified. To watch it happen live, though, it was... I can definitely see... This was their big moment, right? Like, they had their launch about a year and a half ago, two years ago now. And remember, they had the Angela Lee and they had Demetrius debut. And remember, Eddie was on that card also. Mm. And it, it was a big deal, right? And um, that was on TNT, but it was tape delayed on purpose. This time around, oh, you're getting it live and all this stuff. And it just, um, it, 
I guess with the Eddie Alvarez thing, it was so unfortunate and it just seemed to set the mood the rest of the night. What was your thoughts on it? That was, it was kind of bizarre. I mean, one already has a flair for the dramatic with that music that they love to reuse. It's like they're, you know, it's their anthem, but it just adds drama to everything. And so it really did punctuate that moment where Eddie Alvarez is just sitting against the cage, you know, waiting to see what happens uh, or to see if, if his opponent's okay, I guess. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a little uh, derailing, but for me, it was more like, I don't know, one has a knack for just injecting like really awkward pauses in their in their um, fight cards. I don't know what it is. It's like, uh, it just, there's a little bit of, there's always a little bit of like a stutter step. And so it doesn't, it just doesn't flow as well. So that's always kind of a little distracting for me. Um, and then, yeah, the Eddie Alvarez thing, the actual DQ. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it was it was the back of the head, I guess. But I, I don't think Eddie, Eddie could process that in the moment. You know, the, his opponent's hand was up and he was just trying to get around the hand. Um, so it's unfortunate. You know, he's not had the best run in one. But, oh, well, like he's still a big name. He still came out, you know, charging forward, still exciting. Um the Mighty Mouse fight, that was hard to watch, but like, you know, that's kind of the incident. That's kind of what you get with one, specifically with someone like Mighty Mouse, and even when we saw with Sage, you know, because of how they do their weighing, their their weight classes, they're always smaller than their opponents, um, the guys that came from the UFC. So, you know, Marais was taller, had the reach advantage, um, and he was just like one step ahead and very elusive. And when he caught him, he caught him. I mean, I don't think it was lost on anyone after Mighty Mouse ate that knee and was knocked out, you know, that tweet that he he had posted not so long ago after Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling. So <clears throat> it was kind of like, oh, you, you sure you still want that legal knee policy? But he doesn't care. He was still uh, in favor of it. He uh, prefers it. And so, you know, Mighty Mouse is just a solid game, game fighter. So, uh you know, not the most exciting, probably, uh, outcomes that one wanted, but that's what happens, man. I mean, that's MMA, and it's exciting. They should they should be thinking, well, we really do have a pretty awesome roster, you know, original um, guys that we've built up because these UFC names or these bigger MMA names aren't always running. They're not steamrolling our guys, and that's a good thing. Yeah, and uh, I think their CEO, Chatri Sityotong, has really uh, identified that. And it's like, look, you know, like, we didn't bring them in to be the star of the show. You know, you fight and you win and you get that. But, you know, I I think that's uh, the criticism. And, and, you know, I will admit, not everyone in any promotion, but certainly outside of the UFC where there's a high concentration, top to bottom is necessarily always a world beater. But certainly, companies have been aware for a long time, hey, look, draft these people, get some of these guys who maybe they're not on the UFC. UFC isn't taking that chance on them at this particular time because you never know what you could get. And I think that you saw that with Adriana Marais. Um, I think you saw that with, a, well, I think her weight class is different, but Angela Lee. Um, so I think that that just uh, describes pretty much what they've got going on. In terms of the fights, I mean, the Eddie Alvarez thing was just like, ugh, like it, he's just had rough luck, and um, 
you know, that was supposed to kind of be his title eliminator for the lightweight championship. And um, I think they just announced, you'll remember the guy, uh, Timofey Nastyukin, who mm-hmm. defeated him in his one debut. He's now the guy fighting Angela Lee's brother for the championship. Uh, right. I, I think it's this week or next week. But um, the fact is, you know, Eddie Alvarez versus that one would have been a big deal had he won. Instead, we kind of just have a non-starter. So you kind of, it's a lateral move. You don't get that bump up. So it's tough. And then with Demetrius, um, I think that's where you said the weight class is really taken into effect. And to for people who don't know, because one championship has same day, they have a day before and then they have same day weigh-ins. So you have to make your weight limit twice. What that means is, their flyweight limit is actually 135 pounds. So really you're fighting guys who would more likely compete at, you know, Bantam weight and calling them flyweights because they need to be able to make 135 twice. It's like, for example, Demetrius Johnson would weigh in at 125 in the UFC. You know he has a tough weight cut. He is not also going to do that Saturday morning. It's just impossible. Like, he already kills it to hold 125 for that, you know, at one to two hours maybe to make the UFC weigh-ins and then rehydrate before the fight. To stay that low would just be, you know, unhealthy, yes, yeah. unsafe. For a lot of guys, not everyone necessarily is too far off their weight limit, but a lot of guys are in that mid to high-risk range, right? So that's yeah. why, you know... Respectfully, Eddie Alvarez, you know, he's fighting welterweights. You know, he's moving up to welterweight. Demetrius is fighting bantamweights, where, you know, obviously he's had success with slightly smaller athletes. Um, and yeah, I think you just saw Adriano Moraes was a guy who's done so well for himself. He was uh, taller, younger, faster than Demetrius. And um, look, he's no pushover. And you saw, the, look, quite simply, five-round fight. He doesn't get caught then. Does he still win it? Who knows? But I will say what I saw from Adriano, he was more than ready for the challenge uh, technically-wise of Demetrius, and I think you got to give him credit. Yeah, man. I mean, well said. That yeah, sums it up. And um, Yeah, watching live, like, I get it. It took the wind out of the sails. But um, I will say this. I kind of, if there's one, the Eddie Alvarez one was bad. I do like uh, Rod Tang. When you watch his highlights, that Muay Thai guide that they had, you know, as the main event, that dude is entertaining. You didn't really get that as much in that fight, but some of his highlights, I'm like, dude, that, <laughs> now that's a wild man right there. But, um, yeah, so this will be a regular thing, obviously, um, as they have bigger fights come up and, you know, more highlights will obviously, you know, bring it up on the show. But back to the UFC world, uh, we got some bad news. He did announce this, I will admit, when I was there, I believe, for the heavyweight fight it was. But Aljamain Sterling admits, uh, you know, reiterates he's getting a procedure done. He's having surgery on his neck, which he did say his plan was to do that after the fight anyway. But after you go through a title fight, you're just kind of a little more banged up. And so there's not going to be a quick turnaround for the fight with Pewter Jan. The rematch, his hope is at best October, November. Now, that is a best case scenario. 
and let me just make it clear I, you know I'm not saying something's gonna go wrong but I will admit when you talk about a neck surgery I do always account for let's take more time as a precaution you should take more time after any surgery but quite bluntly the head and the neck and the back are probably the three that I would actually advise 200% more time <laughs> you get what I mean yeah, you don't mess around there. Yes. You break your hand, I could see you fighting. You got another one in two feet to kick with. Uh, you only have one neck. Um, <laughs> so, but my point is, what does this do for the division? Because we're about to have Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw, Pewter Jan, obviously rearing to go. I mean, this kind of, uh, this makes for quite an interesting situation. And I wanted your thoughts. It's tricky because Sterling just won the belt in controversial fashion. And so if we're having to wait till basically the end of the year to see him or the belt up for, for contention, okay, that's a long time. That's not fair to everybody else. But it would also be strange to put an interim belt out there for, you know, a champion who, as I said, just won and it was in a... a, a controversial way so okay i guess if you have to do it you have to do it because it's not fair for the other guys like sanhagen dillashaw that's going to be a killer fight cody garbrandt isn't he fighting um yep rob he's Pont? fighting soon yes rob yeah. Pont. right so another killer fight on the horizon like you can't let these guys sit on their haunches waiting for aldermain sterling so it just creates more opportunities frankly um you can do an interim belt with you could do an interim belt, I guess, with the winner of Sanhagen, Dillashaw, Garbrandt, Font, um, because I think it's safe to say Josie Aldo shouldn't get another title shot anytime soon. Marlon Moraes, Frankie Edgar, like, you know, the the legends can can sit around out. Dominic Cruz is looking for a fight, so is uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. So if that ever comes to pass, that would be interesting. But I think you have our our you know our, our four fighters that I mentioned Dillashaw, Garbrandt, Sanhagen, Font like those are the guys next in line for a shot, title shot anyway if they win their next fight. So let the winner of those two fight for an interim title when Aljamain Sterling's ready. You can have him fight Piotr Jan, and then um, try to unify. Is that is that bad MMA math? I don't know because I feel like you can't ignore Piotr Jan. Or maybe those guys fight Jan for an interim, and then, and then you can go to Sterling. I guess that makes more sense. What do you, you see? Yeah, you know. So here's the thing: is that if you're Peter Jan, you don't want to fight anybody. It's the belt or bust, as it should be, if you ask me. Yeah. Um. If anything, you know, like Aljo, you know what? My neck is healing slow. Then you have a rough situation. Then you have, you know, like, well, what if a Cody and TJ, Cody and Corey and, you know, all this other stuff, what did these guys fight? Um, I could see a scenario, Peter Jan fighting the winner of Corey and uh, TJ Dillashaw. I do think Cody Garbrandt might, um, he might still try the flyweight thing uh, just because, uh, you know, He's waiting on... He always had to wait for Figueredo and Moreno, right? So, I think that uh, he sees himself as having more options if he beats Rob Font. Particularly if TJ were to win against Corey Sanhagen, right? So, I could see 
it really becoming a you know tough situation and mind you the you have to if you're Corey Sanhagen TJ and uh Peter Jan you're gonna have to fight the others anyway um but you want to do it with a title on the line you kind of already want to secure your bag and your legacy fighting for the title first if you can because then at least no matter what happens you've always been a UFC champion you know, like if let's say you're hypothetically Corey Sanhagen, you beat TJ, but then you know you fight uh, Peter Yan waiting for Aljo, and Peter Yan beats you. Now you know you didn't even get to compete with the gold on the line. So it becomes yeah. that tough negotiating situation because none of the guys or girls want to be in that spot. But when you look at this timeline. That is a very real possibility now. Remember, it's been now a month since the fight. So now the clock is now starting to really tick. And it's like, look, you know, his vacation's probably winding down. He is thinking about, well, how long am I going to be on the sideline, right, Peter Jan? So, Mm -hmm. And then if you're Aljamain Sterling, you should not rush coming back from neck surgery. And that just makes it more complicated. So this is a really long way of saying... If uh, Aljo does indeed not come back this year, that there will very likely be a push by the Courier TJ winner to maybe push the issue. and Or even UFC to push the issue and be like, look, you know, maybe like, hey, are you in? Okay, Cody Garbrandt, will you fight somebody? Yes. And okay, and you know, someone else is the quote-unquote rewarded, right? And they're getting a title shot suddenly for bolstering an event or what have you. We've seen it, you know, it's not uncommon. Um, It still sucks because all these guys have are going to be in a position where you could say, yeah, that's a big fight. What else are we waiting for? Yeah, it's a tricky situation. I have a feeling, though, or I guess I should say I agree with you that these these big names aren't going to just... Uh cross their arms and and you know tap their knee waiting for Aljo to come back at the end of the year and then continue waiting until it's their time so I have a strong feeling we're going to see a, a second gold at 135 well there we go then uh, you been on Twitter lately oh me yeah no not really why did I miss something anything with McGregor for you no. oh man something about that um you know so by now you guys have probably seen it um, long story short, uh, Poirier says Connor did not pay the money he said he would be given to Poirier's charity leading up to their fight in January. Connor is saying they never sent the plan. What exactly is my money going to? I'm not just giving it to a charity. I want you, I want to see that, hey, X amount of dollars builds a new school or something before I write the check. Uh, Poirier's foundation says McGregor. McGregor's team, not like Conor McGregor himself in person, ghosted them before they could have those talks. And uh, the long, uh, you know, the end of it was that Conor did say, you know what, you're trying to make me look bad when I ask for something reasonable. And you know what, I'm fighting somebody else on July 10. You lose. That's not happening. But he did say that. And so, Natalie, what are your thoughts on the aftermath? Dude, this got ugly fast, dude, because, like, everybody assumed after you see on the Glory and the Agony or whatever that really cool show is called, um, Thrill and the Agony, where 
Dustin Poirier's wife goes into the locker, like she goes out of her way to go into the locker room of Conor McGregor to thank him, to respectfully thank him as he's nursing his loss with his family. And he says, oh, yes, you're welcome. I think that left everybody walking away thank you, uh, believing that the money had been exchanged. And I think there were even words to that effect from McGregor, you know, checks in the mail, essentially. So this was surprising. And like, you know, Dustin, you could say, uh, make a case for saying he held his tongue. Like he didn't, he could have mentioned this a lot sooner after the rumors of this third fight were, were circulating, but he waited um, until he was given an opportunity. Right. And and he, he felt that McGregor, you know, maybe had gone too far or shouldn't be bragging about declaring how he's going to beat Poirier. Not so fast, uh, Mr. McGregor. And he put him on blast. But when I saw that, I said, Oh boy, if that's true, Conor McGregor's not going to be happy about it, right? And so there goes the back and forth that you relayed. Um, and uh, Conor McGregor saying, you're smearing, smearing my name. You know, there's there's a point to, there's a case to be made there too, right? Because if this is really how he conducts his business or how the foundation conducts its business, okay, fine. But you should have made an exception for this one because you went out of your way to offer Dustin Poirier this money. He didn't ask for it. You went out of your way to ask to offer it. You made a big show of it. You were happy to take all the, the, the pats on the back for being the, the guy who, who went out there, gave all this money, and then got defeated. And, you know, I think at some point he should have just made the call and said, like, all right, um, they're not communicating with us. That's fine. Or he should have just called Dustin directly and said, hey, we're about to fight. And, like, I want to make sure that we're square on our previous arrangement. So can I just give you the money and we can just, you know, finish this off? And, like, you can tell me over the phone what you're going to use it for? Like, it's really easy. This could have been resolved really easily. Instead, it's escalated. And what it's served to do is what the UFC probably is thrilled to, to see. Uh, that It's made the fight even bigger because now it's really, really personal for both guys. So I guess it's a win-win for <laughs> for everybody, except the the charity. But um, I definitely got a little nervous when I when I saw how heated Poirier and Connor were both uh, regarding this matter because you know they're gonna come in hot, dude. They're gonna come in hot, and it's it's gonna be a heck of a a fight. It might get vicious. Like it's very very personal, more than any fight he's had with anybody else. I think this is way more personal than Khabib than Nate. It's it's serious. Do you feel the Do you feel the intensity? Do you feel the gravity of this? Do I feel the heat? Do you feel the, the heat? like? Do the I feel like? Do, do I feel like you know? Uh, they're bringing the sauce. Yeah, you know. Yep. So here's my thing. Uh, yes, I think that um, I'm gonna let. Okay, for one, you're playing with real money to a charity. That should not be a game. But it did occur to me. Are these two not trying to sell a fight that we just saw and getting everyone to pay for it again after all the the technical issues, etc., etc.? I think they are. I think they know how the first fight, the the last fight played out. So I realize, well, <clears throat> things are not done unintentionally when you're. Th- these are smart guys who know what they're doing. Certainly, Connor knows how to make money and what to say to make money. That's how he became so famous. Poirier is doing his thing, striking while the iron is hot. It did occur to me, are they trying to sell this fight and they're just giving us a little controversy to say we're doing it? 
I don't know. I'm not going to say they go that far, but I will say I don't think it's a coincidence that this is now coming up at a time when they are hoping to keep the attention on them and get people fired up for July. So I'm going to leave it at that. I think that I think that they're kind of trying to say that uh, the old Connor is going to come out there to apologize to nobody and get in the face of Poirier. And, of course, Poirier wants to deliver even more justice because now he needs to fight for his charity in a way he didn't have to in the rematch in January. So, I don't know. I think there's a multi-layered game being played here, if I'm being honest. It's hard for me to believe that they're sitting in the corner of their, you know, their living rooms, each of them staring into their phone and, like, kind of chuckling as they respond to each other. I really do feel that it's deadly serious, uh, deadly personal. Um, I don't think they're messing around now. Okay, they're not gonna. It's not gonna be lost on them that it's also gonna help sell the fight and make money. But I don't know, man. This one, this one doesn't seem like. Uh, I don't feel any cahoots here. I don't get the sense that there's cahoots in the in the mix here. Uh, I think there maybe Poirier figured out what's, what. Con- I don't know. I just feel like it's a little on purpose because I feel in my heart Poirier is going to still get the money no matter what is said. So what are we really doing? Yeah, I guess. Let's talk about some predictions. I want us to have time for everything. Um, Real quick, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, supposed to fight in 2018. They coached tough against each other. Remember the fight fell out the day of when Whitaker was, I think he had the hernia for the title defense in Australia. Now, Kelvin Gastelum has a huge opportunity. He just broke a three-fight, you know, losing streak. He beat Ian Heinish in March. And now he's taken on kind of like the 1B of the middleweight division in Whitaker, who's beaten Cannoneer, who's beaten Darren Till. This is a big high-stakes fight. And quite bluntly, when you know Whitaker's resume... You know, he has all the reason to kind of hold serve here. But Kelvin Gastelum, he kind of reminded them that, look, he's still got those weapons and he's still durable to bring a lot of the problems he would have back when he would have fought uh, Whitaker for the title. What are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I, I stand by, or I should say, I still feel as I did last week about this being redemption for Kelvin Gastelum. If you look at what his the trajectory his career took after the fight was called off with Whitaker. It was, you know, not great. Probably the tough, one of the tougher times in his UFC career because he was on the precipice and then just, just, you know, slid down the, the steep slot of Rocky, uh, uh, a mountain there. And, um, you know, it's just, just managed to get himself back on the, on the win in the win column. So a lot of redemption here, a lot of pressure for him to, at least put on a good show and show and, and tell us, let us all know, like, hey, if we had fought for the belt back in the day, I probably, I would have beat him or, you know, it would have been close, um, just like it was with Adesanya. And uh, Whitaker is is gunning to get back to that title shot, more so than, than Gastelum is um, because he's just closer to it, you know. he's 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 been on the winning side for one fight longer, maybe, I think, or two. And... Uh, so, you know, a lot on the line as usual, but this one, this one has that added juiciness of a backstory. And, um, 
I'm pretty excited about this. It's tough to know how it's going to go because I don't know what version of Kelvin Gastelum we're going to see. Robert Whitaker is pretty um, not predictable, but in that you see the punches coming, but you know he's going to be charging forward, you know, put on the pressure, that sort of awkward style that he has. He's there to win. He's he's in, you know, he's going to battle. Calvin Gastelum sometimes gets a little lazy with with his his uh, output, his energy, and you know we can always rely on that really awesome one-two right down the, the middle. But otherwise, sometimes I feel like oh, you know, there's more to give, and and he's not giving it. So I, I'm more curious to see how he how he shows up. Um, that being said, I think Whitaker's pressure is going to be challenging for Gastelum. Um, and, uh, I think Whitaker has the advantage because of that, of that pressure, that awkward style. I won't give my prediction just yet because I want to hear your thoughts, but that's, that's where I'll, I'll leave it for now. You know, um, I think that what Gastelum, when he's dialed in, he's obviously one of the best middleweights, right? He's, uh, smaller, but he's quicker. He's got great boxing. He's got great awareness, you know, with the takedowns and the wrestling to mix it all in. Uh, he's just got a great game when you look at the landscape. How You know, you, he has been inconsistent. And, you know, the Darren Till fight, look, the way, it went the way it did. Uh, low output there. You kind of It felt like he just didn't know how to deal with the size. The Ian Heinish fight was so fast. And then, of course, you know, give him credit. He kind of lived up to the moment even if it didn't go his way against Israel Adesanya. Um I think though when you talk about Robert Whitaker, he's got the explosiveness and the speed and the ability to maintain the distance. And you remember that fight with Darren Till, they almost made fun of it, you know, like Darren, you know, he was like, you know, the faking getting in and out and it's like, you know, it was just so hard for him to feel like he could get in and stay in the range to work his offense against Rob and that was really also another thing that Jared Cannonier struggled with is that you know Whitaker was able to get in and out avoid the power um Gastelum is a faster opponent that being said uh I believe that um Whitaker's power is going to be very difficult for Kelvin Gastelum to deal with you don't want to eat shots to get close against Rob that is how people have gone to sleep and you know even Yoel Romero couldn't really keep up with him that way so uh, I think that that's going to be the key I think that a versatile attack from Gastelum he can shock it I think if he can avoid the damage and stay in close get the fight to the ground this becomes a long and difficult fight however if Rob can keep that mid-range I don't see a scenario where he's not kind of keeping Gastelum at the end of those power shots and so I think that that's going to be the key I think that Whitaker's just in a great stride so he's my pick to hold it and get the job done I think that his ability to keep that mid-range is just going to be the difference do you think he's going to just take it to take it the the distance to the judges or is there a finish in the you know I I don't know if you noticed, but it's been my New Year's resolution not to keep predicting decisions just because it's a competitive fight. So I'm going Robert Whitaker third round TKO. Okay, okay. I was thinking uh, similarly, Robert Whitaker fourth round TKO. 
so we shall see who who wins three or four you know what it's well yeah we shall see i'm gonna leave it at that i'm not gonna <laughs> add more salt to the spice um we have one more big fight oh yeah it is that one <laughs> like i said everybody's in on this everyone seems to have like for the honor of mma to stop the youtuber young versus old the new school you know ending the reign of the old school it is jake paul ben Askren in boxing um Natalie, I'm going to be honest with you. I've spent the last few days learning about NFTs and the stuff they're selling, I guess, for the fight. And, you know, the whole thing I was getting was like, well, this isn't your dad's celebrity boxing. It's a whole new ball game. So, um, look, so let's say like it is Ben Askren. I believe his record was like 20 and 2. With a one no contest. Bellator champion. One welterweight champion. This is a guy who has been in there with 19 fighters. Looking to punch him in the face. And he's come out with his hand raised. Jake Paul is younger. Faster. Two good hips. Never been knocked out. Hasn't retired twice. All of these are very relevant facts. (laughs) Um, and the other thing, you know, let's say like it is Ben Askren's, uh, striking is probably the, uh, least impressive part of his game on purpose. He said, look, why am I going to go out there to try to outstrike somebody? My quickest route to victory is wrestling point taken. But yet here we are. You can't wrestle Jake Paul. What are we going to see? I'm going to toss it to you. Hit me with something. Bro. Oh my God. For like doing it you know i can't even root for ben Askren because like for the sake of mma i mean i guess i am rooting for him i shouldn't say that i'm rooting for him but it's like with one hand over my face because there's i really do firmly believe there's zero chance of him being able to beat jake paul in a boxing match not only can do i believe ben Askren cannot beat jake paul but i also with the same fervor believe that Jake Paul is going to beat the brakes off of Ben Askren. Probably knock him out cold. He's, a, you know, I know he's not an MMA fighter. He's not a boxer. But he's been doing this for a while. And, well, you know, two years, whatever. Just doing this. He's young. He's fast. He's uh, muscular. He's athletic. That's, like, normally you would say that's not even close to being enough to beat a professional fighter. An MMA fighter or a professional boxer, right? But Ben Askren is not that kind of a guy. He's not He's not a prototypical MMA fighter, like, at all, not even close. The striking is is paltry. Like, I, I'm not trying to offend the guy, but it's just, you look at the footage. Look at the Damian Maya fight, you know? I mean, I heard Jorge Masvidal say, they literally taking the words out of my mouth in his interview with Ariel Hawani, because I feel the exact same way. His striking against Damian Maya was terrible and and just his posture the way he tries to throw a punch the way he moves his feet and we all know this that he's solely thinking about how to take you down and so he'll take a punch here he'll take a punch there he doesn't mind looking goofy in an mma fight to take you down no such opportunity here as we know in this boxing fight 
And so I see no such opportunity for Ben Askren to uh, land a meaningful punch. And unless he decides to run, literally just skip around the ring for, what is it, six rounds, eight rounds? Um, I believe it's eight. Yeah. Eight. If, unless he does that, unless he just runs the whole time, which would be really disappointing for Triller, for everyone who's going to pay all this money to see this fight. Unless he does that, he doesn't stand a chance. It's just, it's just you look at you just look at the look at the man, look at the videos. You know the footage is there, the evidence is there. I do not foresee a path to victory for Ben Askren, and I see multiple clear paths to victory for Jake Paul. Unfortunately, I wish they had picked. I wish someone else had agreed to fight Jake Paul, another MMA fighter. Well, I heard Dylan Dennis hurt his knee, so right. That's why. Yeah, that would have been my pick. Interview right with uh, Brendan Schaub and. Brendan Schaub really does believe that Ben Askren can win this, which is shocking to me. Do you believe Ben Askren can win this fight, Double G? Yes. And you okay. Know, okay, I'm going to say that, okay, here's the thing. Sometimes uh, I know what my eyes see, but then I feel like my brain processes it differently. So I, and I will bring this story back up because I think it encapsulates why there's a paying audience for this. In droves, not just MMA people who hate Jake Paul enough to part with their hard-earned money one week before a Jorge Masvidal pay-per-view, mind you. Mm -hmm. But legit, on our conference call, with emotion, bringing up Jake Paul's fights against other YouTubers as proof as evidence of this boxing skill he possesses. Do you know who Deji is? No. Deji is the younger brother of KSI who boxed Paul's older brother, Logan. Okay. And in their first fight with Logan and KSI, Jake Paul boxed Deji in, uh, in an amateur fight. And this kid was bringing up when Jake Paul boxed Deji. And I'm like, both of them are O and O. You acting like this is some evidence of great boxing. And so I, I, I know, yes, he's younger, he's faster, he looks like he's patient, he looks like he knows how to turn over his fist and his hip, put it into it to punch properly. Yes, I see it. I'm not blind. But I also know that Ben Askren has been dealing with people who know how to do that his whole career and he hasn't gotten knocked out. Yes, yes, there's. The a, yes, there's a, been wrestling. Yes, Sorry, but I there's. Have to interrupt you. Yes, I know, but there's. So it's not like he hasn't been punched in the face by guys who know how to punch before. Okay, now let's get to the brass tacks of it. I think it comes down to the ref, because you know what? Okay, you remember you saw the Nate Robinson fight for Jake yeah. Paul, right? Yeah. There was a lot of breaking, but I'll say this. Ben Askren is in million and one ways more durable, I believe, and more knowledgeable about what not to do when you are broken by a ref coming out of the clinch. And I think that's exactly going to be the difference. If they have a ref who lets them clinch and work a bit, it's going to slow Jake down. He's big kid. He's got big muscles. He clearly lifts. He knows how to keep himself in shape. I think it's going to slow him down. I think as long as Ben Askren, chin down, hands up, every time you get the break, make sure you don't get caught coming in. I think it's a long, slow, painful, but 
very possible victory for Ben Askren. Now, if in any way there's a break in there, if they have a ref who keeps breaking them the second Ben Askren gets his arms halfway around Jake Paul because they want action, well, that's going to be a short night for my man Ben. I'm not going to lie to you right there. Um, If Jake Paul... You know, give him credit. He knows Ben is going to try to clinch him. I'm sure that's all they've worked on all mm-hmm. these last few months. Then Jake Paul most likely catches him coming in and that's all she wrote. There are many routes to victory for either man. It depends on a lot of different links in this chain. So I'm going to let you pick first. I've said everything <laughs> I told myself I would say today. Uh, I'll start by reiterating that I'm rooting for Ben Askren. Just say Strictly what, because just I tell probably, us how you feel. Don't I would probably root for anybody who was fighting. That's Jake like Paul. telling a guy he's really nice before telling him you're not interested. Just say yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I'm still rooting for you, Ben Askren. Uh but like, I think Jake Paul is gonna find a way now what you're saying it makes sense because about, you know, if if Jake Paul gets tired Ben Askren can outlast him for sure, right? He's going to have the cardio, the experience, the veteran savvy to be able to, you know, just last standing up longer. Um, And I think Chael Sonnen was even talking about how, you know, just being a fighter in general gives you an advantage. Uh, He witnessed another wrestler go in there and spar with a a boxer, and the boxer came out just all fatigued at the end because he just couldn't keep up. So that's entirely possible uh, with... You know, I don't want to see the fight go down that way, but if that's what Ben Askren has to do to win, okay, fine. I I still don't think that's going to happen. I think Jake Paul is going to find a way to knock him out. And uh, I actually think it's going to be early. I think it's going to be like round three. Jake Paul, KO. It is what it is. <laughs> it will be what it was. Um, You know what? <sighs> I thought about this a lot. I know it's setting up for Jake because Jake's about to have a long career in uh, celebrity boxing and he's going to fight Dylan Dennis if he wins and Dylan's going to be like, I'm everything Ben Askren was, but younger, bigger, and faster and yada, yada, yada. But you know, like, remember when Artem Lobov fought Jason Knight? Or so yeah. not Artem Lobov fought uh, Polly Malinaj. Oh yes, yes. And it's no. like Polly was, Polly had every reason he should have beat Artem, but you knew Bare Knuckle was going to keep Artem, so that's why he won. Yeah, of course, yeah. I know that's what we're going to have with Jake Paul and Ben Askren, but you know what? No, <laughs> not this time, not tonight. Ben Askren, boring decision for the win. <laughs> mm. Okay. Guess some. I mean, they're charging us $50 for this thing for a boring decision. But okay. I mean, I I, I, mean, I, I would like to see that too, I guess. Only because it means... I say ben invite Astrid. friends to the... Put, put the TV in the front yard, social distance your chairs, light the fire, and get everyone to pitch in. Yeah. By right. Venmo. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. You know, not even, don't even accept cash. Just have them no, 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 wire just... it. That's the way. Wow. Okay. Well, we're uh, let's see what happens. We should put our own money on this, or maybe a, an ice cream scoop or something. I was gonna say it's like, do you really want to start down that road? <laughs> no. Um. 
Natalie, uh, next week. Uh, okay, by the way, not for nothing, Vadim Nemkov this Friday, uh, Bellator's light heavyweight champion. A lot of people would argue the best light heavyweight outside the UFC. Very cool. Um, and next week, we are... the. It, you remember what I said? It's like that movie Pacific Rim with Idris Elba. He's addressing the army and he's telling them they're canceling the apocalypse. Dana White, arena full of fans. He is canceling the apocalypse and bringing the UFC to Florida. Triple header, Jorge Camaro Usman 2, Zhang Wei Li against Rose Namajunas, Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica Andrade. And not for nothing, the night before the PFL comes back from the brink to have Anthony Pettis debut. What are you most looking forward to? Oh, Shevchenko, Andraj, you would think is what I would say. But actually, it's Usman Masvidal, too. Uh, just want to see Masvidal fight again. I think everybody does. He's talking pretty good uh, over there on the MMA hour with uh, Errol Hawani about how he's just going to bring violence and, and uh, Usman doesn't have a killer instinct. I mean, he wins, though. So let's see what Masvidal can, uh, can bring and the crowd. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how long it takes before everyone there just swinging their masks over their heads and um just it's gonna be fun to have a crowd man. that just bleed mentality <laughs> i'm here for it anyway um yeah so we will be back to that we will be back on sunday with that episode oh by the way uh jung wei lee rose namayunas i think it is gonna be like yoana wei lee i think we're gonna just yeah. you know those two girls gonna go for blood and after Rose Namajunas comments, I think that we're in for a very interesting press conference, too. She made it personal, even oh, though yeah. she wasn't trying to. You don't mess with the, with the politics. No, she used some big words, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, yeah, sure. there's no, around, no way around that one. Um, it's going to be a very interesting fight week. But guys, we'll be back. Remember, we're on Sunday, so we preview all of that. We'll recap everything, Ben and Jake and Robert and everything in between. And until then, take care, have a good one.